Good morning. If you're new to Grace Fellowship, my name's Kevin. I have the privilege of being the pastor here. Today is going to be our last uh, sermon in our series on the Proverbs, where hopefully we've been learning to be wise. We started this back in the, in the summer, and so we're going to finish it up today. Next week begins Advent, which is the, the season in which Christians have traditionally prepared for Christmas. So believe it or not, Christmas is not a season that stretches all the way from Thanksgiving to Christmas Day or before Thanksgiving. Um, Advent is actually the name of that season, and it's the season in which we prepare for Christmas Day, at least uh, traditionally in the, in the history of the church. Uh, And so for our Advent series, we're going to actually be studying the book of Ruth. We're going to stay in the Old Testament and look at the book of Ruth. Uh, And so if you wanted to uh, to go ahead and read ahead of that on that book, it's uh, it's an easy read. It's four chapters, really short. Uh, But today we're going to be in Proverbs. uh, Finish up this series. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28. And then Proverbs 14, verses 11 and 12. So if you want to turn there, go ahead and turn there. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs comes after Psalms, uh, but it's before Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. Uh, If you get to Isaiah, which is like the next big book, you've gone too far, take a left, go back uh, and find Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28. And then we're going to flip over and look at chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. Let's give our attention to God's word. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. And then 14, 11. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end are the ways to death. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray and ask for his help. Lord, would you yet again take your wisdom and apply it to our needy hearts. Teach us what it means to walk with you. Transform us from the inside out. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight our rock, and our redeemer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's the point of being wise? If you kind of look at life from a a cost-benefit perspective, uh, what's the benefit of taking on the cost of wisdom? What's its value? That's the question we're going to strive to answer today. Before we do that, let's just take a quick recap We've said, we've defined wisdom as the skill of living well in God's world. So uh, wisdom addresses those areas of life that go beyond the law, right? If law is knowing what is right and wrong, wisdom is knowing how to apply that in situations particularly where it's not altogether clear. Uh, So wisdom is taking God's truth and applying it to Real life. And we call that a skill because, well, we have to learn how to do it. Uh, Wisdom is not something that comes easy. It's not something that we learn all at once. 
It's not something that we even learn in a class. Rather, wisdom is learned, as we're going to talk about today and as we've seen throughout, wisdom is learned by walking, putting one foot in front of the other, walking with God and receiving the bumps and bruises along the way that come with it. Um, Wisdom, God's wisdom, often goes against the grain of the way we do life. Right, the, the person who seeks to practice God's wisdom will often find himself at odds with many people around him. Uh, her life will look like uh, will look strange uh, and out of step with those around her. Uh, so wisdom often cuts against the grain. And if that's true, then what's the gain? In wisdom, in walking with the wise. What's the ultimate value of learning wisdom? And here's the way I believe Proverbs answers this, and it's what we see in today's passages. The value is this, that God's pathway leads to life. God's path, walking with God, leads to life despite outward appearances. Now that's... Not anything new, right? I'm not saying anything today that we really haven't said throughout this entire series, right? Uh, Whether we've been talking about friendship or anger or money or work or marriage or sex or parenting, all of the topics that we've looked at that wisdom addresses, Proverbs makes this point repeatedly. Being wise will give you a better life. And being a fool will make your life harder, uh, more destructive, less satisfying. That's the the bent of the Proverbs. But there's something even underneath that. There's a a deeper promise underneath that. Not only does wisdom uh, offer a better life in the present, but right here in these verses we see that it promises a life beyond the present. A life that reaches Beyond physical death. How do we get there? Well, we have to walk. First, we have to walk the road that leads to life. That's point one. And then second, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. What are we talking about when I say walk the road that leads to life? Well, this is, this is a truth. It's, it's one that the Bible mentions often, but it's this. You're on a path. You are on a road, and that road is going somewhere. Right? Not only does the Bible talk that way, but we talk that way in, in common culture. Right? We talk about the path that I'm on or the journey that I'm taking. Right? You're on a path, and it is going somewhere. And I know Aerosmith saying that life's a journey, not a destination. But Proverbs says life's a journey and a destination. It's both. I want you to think about every marketing campaign, every billboard, every commercial, every advertisement that you've ever seen. What's the promise underneath the picture? Every marketing, every ad, everything you've ever seen, what's the promise underneath the picture? What's What's that commercial saying? They're saying, this is the way to life. This is the life that you want. Everything will be better if you go this way. You'll look, you'll look fabulous in this shirt. This truck will tow everything that you own all at once and keep your bottom warm. 
right? The life that you want is down this road. This candidate will fix everything that is wrong with our community, with our country, right? That's what advertising is designed to do. It's saying this is the way to life, the life that you dream of, right? And that tells us something. Each of us is hunting for life. Each of us is looking for satisfaction, for joy, for glory. I was at the Alabama football game yesterday. What is it that makes over 100,000 people gather in a bowl and hook their emotional state to a group of 20-year-old men playing with a ball? It's just fun, right? I get to be with my friends and family. Well, you could be with your friends and family raking leaves in the yard, but you didn't choose to do that. You chose to do that in a stadium watching football. Why? Because there's a promise of, of satisfaction, right? My, if my team wins, my team's better than your team. There's purpose there. There's significance there, right? If we go all the way to the national championship, there's glory there, Life. We're hunting for life. So you are on a path. I am on a path. Each one of us is on a path. And it's going somewhere. The question is, where? What path are we on and where is it going? Look at Proverbs twelve twenty eight. Solomon says, in the path of righteousness is life. The path of righteousness. What is righteousness? Uh, to be righteous is, is to be right or true according to a standard, right? That there's some, there's some standard of what is right or straight, and we are conforming to it. That's what righteousness is. Have you ever tried to draw a straight line without a ruler? Some of you are better at it than me, right? But Usually we need some kind of, right, we need something additional to make the line truly straight. Have you, ever, have you ever used a ruler and drawn a straight line and then you realize when you took the ruler off that your ruler was crooked? So instead of drawing a straight line down, you drew a straight line this way? I've done that. Yep. So if your ruler is off, this way your line won't be straight. Have you ever tried to paint a soccer field? I got that joy uh, this year. Uh, so they make these little contraptions, right, that you put the, you put the spray paint in the, in the box. It's got wheels on it. And then you just walk and you hold the handle and it sprays the paint on the grass. But we did find out that if you don't have a string that's pulled tight showing you where the straight line is, you'll get 100 yards down and you'll turn around and you'll see your line doing this, right? We typically don't make our own straight lines very well. Right? We need some kind of standard, some kind of rule beyond us. We need a right standard. And Proverbs says again and again that the righteous standard, the right standard, is God himself. That he is the measure of what is right and true. And so if we're on his path, the path of righteousness, well, where will it take us? Where does it go? And notice what it says. It says, in the path of righteousness is life. Two words there, in. So what's interesting about that small little word, in, is it tells us not only, not only will we end up at life, not only will the, path, the, the righteous path take us to life, but we will actually find life in it while we are on it. 
while you're on it, the path itself brings life. What kind of life? Look at the next phrase. In its pathway, there is no death. It tells us that if, if, we're, if we're walking this path, we're not ta- when we talk about life, we're not talking about clinical life, a beating heart and breathing lungs. When the Proverbs, in, specifically in the Bible in general, talks about life, it means a relationship with God that gives life, right? We're talking about immortality, a life that lasts beyond just what I can see here. That life is essentially talking about a relationship with God that never ends. That's why I love the image of 1411. If you look at that second phrase, it says, The tent of the upright will flourish. That word for flourish is the word blossom. That when we walk with God, our lives blossom. Right? that, That picture is one of health. And growing and vitality and bearing fruit. I don't think there's a better picture of life than that. That is what life is meant to look like. So Proverbs is saying that if we walk with God, we will experience full and real life forever. That's the offer. Full and real life forever. Now, some of you have lived long enough that you spot the problem. You've lived long enough. You've had enough hurts. Some terrible things have happened to you. And you would say, you know what? I feel like I've done this. And this is not what my life looks like. I feel like I've tried to walk with God and my life has not yielded this beautiful fruit that you're talking about. I do not feel. Uh, my, I look at the, the people around me And they seem a whole lot happier. Their lives look richer than mine. And that's where the second point comes in. Not only do we have to walk the right path, but we also have to walk it by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? So here's the thing. Most Americans, most of us would say that all paths are equally valid. I mean... Maybe not all paths. Like we would say, you know, there's always those group of people in our minds that, like, that, like, that live on the shoulders of the road. You know, those paths are not valid. But I think most of us would say, because we're products of our culture, most of us would say that as long as you're kind of in the middle, you know, as you're in the road, you're a pretty good person. Not perfect, but, you know, eight out of ten. Nobody bats a thousand, right? If you're on that path, then it's probably pretty valid, right? That, uh... Uh, if, if it's the road that makes you happy, then you just take it and you see where it goes. After all, it's, it's, it's your journey. It's your path. Just, if, if, just follow your heart, right, and see, see where it goes, see where it leads you. Now, on the face of it, that sounds really good. On the, it sounds promising on the face of it. But if, if you stop and think about it for just a minute, that may not be the wisest course. Why not? Because uh, a path may look good and end up in a really terrible place. That, that, path, you're, that, that, that path you're hiking, there may be a bear around the corner that you don't know about, right? 
So a, a path can look good on its face, right? We can look at the lives of other people and say, man, they seem to be getting a whole lot more out of life. What is wrong with me? Right? Um, the, you can, it can look like it's a good road, but it can end in a terrible place. So let's take that theory that all paths are equally valid as long as it makes you happy. It's a good road to walk. Let's take that theory let's, and, and let's run it through some history. After World War I, Germany was decimated and bankrupt and impoverished. And then a man named Adolf Hitler came along and he captured the German imagination with visions of strength and unity and superiority. Right? And he captured the imaginations of people like good, average, ordinary German people like you and me. People who wanted their lives to be better. People who wanted stability. People who wanted strength. People who wanted peace. And they listened. And th this man said, this is the way. This is the way to life. Follow me. Let's go through this door. I promise it will all be better. And so they walked that road to life. And what was the result? Proverbs 14, 11, Excuse me, Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man. Literally on, on its face, it looks good. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end are the ways, Hebrew plural, ways to death. There's a way that seems right, but at the other end of that road, there's a whole lot of death. Hitler's path not only plunged the world back, back into war, but it led to 20 to 25 million military deaths. Million. 50 to 55 million civilian deaths, including the genocide of almost 6 million Jewish people. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, its ways are death. That road looked good, but it was not good. The path that leads to life is not always obvious. And so we cannot always walk by sight. We cannot, we cannot look at it with our natural eyes and say, this is a good road to go down. We must walk by faith. What does that mean? Well, the word faith means to trust. It means to trust someone. And in this case, when we talk about walking by faith, it means we have to trust God and not ourselves. As we said earlier, right, we need a standard outside of ourselves. We need a, a string pulled tight across the field so that we can paint a straight line, so we can walk in a straight line. God provides that. But here's the problem. God's wisdom often runs opposite to what we think is best. God's path doesn't always look like the best, best path. Just look at 1411 again. See if you can catch the, the comparison. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Don't you imagine that you're house hunting and your realtor shows you only two options. She shows you a house and a tent. House, strong, stable, secure, tent. None of the above, right? Even the best tent can't compete with a house. 
So on the face of it, the path is obvious. The choice is obvious. We go with the house. We take that bet 10 out of 10 every time. But here's the catch. Who's living in the house? What's at the heart of the house? The house of the wicked will be destroyed, annihilated, wept off the face of the earth. The tent of the upright will flourish, will blossom, will bloom. You see the irony? That stable, secure dwelling will come to ruin and will, ne- and will cease to exist. That weak-looking, impermanent tent, it will continue to yield life again and again and again. Because it's the tent of the upright. So the question is, when you look, when you evaluate your choices, your paths, what sort of eyes are you looking? How are you looking at the world? Are you using your own gut? Your own wisdom and experience, your own ideas of good and right? Or are you rejecting your own view and learning to look with God's eyes? To walk by faith and not by sight? Now, if you're here this morning, you may hear all of this talk about faith, and you may be the person who says, hogwash. Right? If, to, the, to, the, to the non-Christian who's here this morning, first, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. But second, uh, you might be saying, okay, yep, faith, that's, that's good for you religious types, the church-going types. That's, that's good for you, but I would prefer to trust my own reason. See, you can't, you can't prove. You're telling me to believe. You're telling me to trust that there is a God, that he is personal, uh, that he is good and trustworthy. You're telling me that if I do that, then life will go, you know, reasonably well. That it'll end up with eternal life. That's what you're telling me to believe, but you can't prove it. And I would say, you know what? You're right. I cannot prove it beyond the shadow of a doubt. But I would also say you're on a path of faith as well. That you're, you're also trusting something or someone. It may not be God, but you're trusting something. Right? Because your assertion that there is no God, that he's not personal, that he's not good, and that he's not trustworthy, is also unprovable. You cannot prove it beyond the shadow of a doubt. So both of us are walking by faith. We have to determine which one of those is the better offer. Every path is actually the path of faith. It just, it's just a question of what's your faith in? Who or what are you trusting in to answer all of life's ultimate questions? Because nothing will provide provable proof to life's ultimate questions. At the end of the day, every one of us is walking by faith. And the question is, who are we trusting? Okay. So how do I know that God is trustworthy? How do I know that his path leads to life and not to death. Why is the Christian path the right path? Because the Christian path is the only path where God himself shows up in human flesh and walks the road for you. 
The Christian message is different from every other message on the face of the planet. Because in the Christian message, God himself shows up, takes on human flesh, and walks the road that you're supposed to walk. In John 14, the night before his death, Jesus is having dinner with his closest friends. And he tells them that he is about to leave and return to his father, God, and prepare a place for them and then come back and get them so that they can be together forever. And then he says this in verse 4, you know the way. And then Thomas speaks up, you can imagine, with a little bit of panic in his voice. And he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want you to notice, Jesus isn't like any other leader, religious or non-religious. Jesus doesn't say, this is the way to life. Go through this door. Jesus doesn't say, I've modeled for you the way to life. Just do what I do. Jesus doesn't say, I've shown you the way to life. Now go and do it yourself. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the road. I'm the path. And that path is the life. Jesus doesn't lead us down the path to life. He is the path to life. He walked the righteous path perfectly. So he did point number one. He walked the righteous path perfectly. His life adhered to the standard of God perfectly. But then to point number two, his life did not look like it. Right? You would expect for somebody who did everything right and nothing wrong, he would have gotten ticker tape parades and celebration and everything else. What did he get? A cross, betrayal, left by all his friends. His path did not look by sight. His path was not a good path. It doesn't look like life. It looks like death. But then we see as he walks that road through death, he brings life out the other side for everyone who will trust in him. Friend, that's where wisdom takes us. Ultimately, it's not a path that we must do. It is a person who we must trust. And as we trust in him, we will find life forever. That's an invitation. Let's pray. Our gracious God, for those of us who are not yet convinced that Jesus is the way to life, I pray that we would be willing to ask the questions, that we would be willing to talk to someone about that, that we would be willing to investigate Jesus closer. Lord, for those of us who have found life less than the abundant life we were promised, I pray that we would remember the cross of Christ that shows us that, that suffering comes before, that suffering and death come before life. Father, I pray 
for every one of us this morning that we would that you would deepen our trust and our faith in Jesus. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.